Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. And in addition to the Inside Scoop, we do another mini series within the podcast called Raising the Whole Child. And in Raising the Whole Child, I invite experts on to talk about different aspects of raising your children, especially as it relates to youth soccer. And we had one such interview last week with Stuart Flaherty, the assistant head coach at Dartmouth College. Dartmouth is doing something um, unique that you'll start seeing more and more Division I schools um, more and more division two schools do it in clusters. And what they're doing is are these satellite um, ID camps. And this is something that schools have been doing in the past and some in schools like Dartmouth have been um, planning as well. But the whole COVID situation has accelerated these satellite ID camps, which I actually think is a great a great idea. So the normal, normally the way a traditional ID camp works is everyone um, flies in or drives in or travels to the university's college or university's campus for the residential ID camp. That's, that's traditionally how it works. But with these, the college and university is actually doing a tour of each city and meeting, meeting people where they're at. And they'll have one day, one or two day ID camps there in the local area. Uh, presumably that's cheaper for the kids. And also there's not in, in the families and you don't have the travel costs and then the coaches kind of get an opportunity to see uh, the rest of the country and, and, and probably visit families while they're out there. So I think it's all around a good thing. But during that interview, we talked about college recruiting in general. And then Stuart is a great resource. He's a member of the Facebook group, an active member of a Facebook group. He's a great resource to reach out if, you're, if your kid is in that sort of freshman, sophomore, junior year and, and really think, trying to think through their, their strategy for um, college recruiting. He, he has a wealth of information. And I think he's also an admin of a couple of groups that he can invite you to. So definitely check out the last episode um, that we did which was part of the Raising the Whole Child series. And if you're not familiar with any child soccer training, it's a web application that we've created that will host over 1,000 training videos and over 101 fun soccer games. Um, we are officially launching in June. You can go to anytime-soccer.com and join, uh, join for free, and you'll be put on a waiting list to get your free account because we're just changing a few things in the back end and we're doing some beta testing before we really open it up. So I appreciate you guys going and do, doing that. No credit card, no nothing. If you're listening to this show and you sign up, then we're gonna, we're gonna hook you up when the time is right. Okay, so now let's get on to the show. So this is the final part of a three-part series that I did that doesn't really have a name. But let me try to give you the structure and the way I'm thinking about how I want to do these particular shows so you guys can follow me. So overarching, um, over the overarching show or the thesis show was a show called Increasing Your Probability of Success. 
And in previous podcasts, I've talked about that the lessons that we learn through the lens of youth soccer should be transferable. As a matter of fact, I actually don't, I can't think of anything that I want to teach my sons or any information I want to share with you guys, with the exception of maybe dribbling with every step, that is soccer specific. These are life lessons that we're just applying to youth soccer, right? And so increasing your probability of success is just one of those things, right? And there are components, and I'm not going to reel them off now. I encourage you to go listen to it. But there, there are components that I, within a framework that are, I articulated that said effectively, if you get these components right, you can't guarantee your success, but you will definitely increase your probability of success. And one of those components was it really has to, whatever you're trying to do really has to matter to you. It really has to matter. It has to be very, very important. This may sound basic, but you find often that, that people have not come to terms uh, with what is actually important to them, important in their lives, or their behaviors do not reflect what they say is important in their own lives. So this is just an opportunity to sit back and say, get out a piece of paper and write down, you know, what are your priorities? What are important to you? You'll, you'll hear these financial planner guys often say this, you know, let's on the, on the right side of the paper, let's write out what does, what are your goals? What does a happy life look like to you? And then on the left side, let's talk about how we're going to get there financially and what we have to do to get there financially right and so it's kind of like that with this like you write out what's important to you and then we'll start talking about how we how we get there and we're just applying that to youth soccer so then I went on to say okay well if working with your own child in the area of sport is something that is important to you if their success in the area of sport is something that's important to you then we can't or we should not make excuses. We don't want to make excuses for not doing something that's important to us, okay? And so then I wanted to hit it in the head. I wanted to hit it like so that we are crystal clear about the no excuses. One of the most common excuses I hear and can be controversial is when people say, oh, I would do this, right? I, I understand what you're doing. I like what you're doing, but I'm just going to get a trainer to do it for me because my kid won't listen to me. Or I tried this and my kid doesn't respond well to me, so therefore I don't do it. And I was being pretty blunt to say that's an excuse, right? It's just an excuse. Unless you, there are exceptions to the rule, which is part of the probability of success, but in general, that's just an excuse. My kids are not dramatically different than your kids. My seven-year-old doesn't wake up in the morning and say, Dad, can we kick the ball 50 times in the air with my uh, non-dominant foot? No kid wants to do that. Um, so it's just an excuse. If it really matters to you, you, you have to figure out a way to help them help themselves, but it has to be in a way that's positive and not negative. So that was the second show to say, look, let's just be real clear with yourself. Now, I'm going to take an aside here to give you a bit of foreshadowing on another show I'm going to, an upcoming show I'm going to do. And then we're going to jump into this show. So 
I don't want to be harsh and I don't want to give certain elements of our youth soccer community too much power. But there appears to be a cottage industry of people out there in the social media space, in the coaching circle spaces, in the parent spaces. There seems to be a cottage industry of people who amuse themselves um, or bring attention to themselves. In the UK, we used to call them attention seekers. Or it's hard to know their motives, but they, they appear to enjoy sharing messages just, that just denigrate parents, right? Like, if I, I don't know why they do this. I don't understand exactly the, the logic behind it. You know, I'm in a lot of, I'm big into education and I'm in a lot of education spaces. And, you know, teachers recognize that parents have issues, but, it, but when I was in education space, I mean, they just didn't spend so much time bashing parents. They spent a lot of time trying to figure out how can we uh, communicate with parents in a way that's effective, right? And so, and what are we doing that's uh, causing people to behave and not, not necessarily causing people, but just contributing to any of the negative behavior that in our school community that we want to end. I mean, you know, so yeah, you have your venting session, but it, it sections, but it just didn't seem like they were um, as obsessed as we are in the youth soccer uh, community with effectively denigrating the whole person, not even just the behavior. It's just like, you bore offspring, therefore you meet these negative, you are in this negative category of characteristics. So, well, I, you know, we talk about this a lot. As a parent trainer though, I'm, we're kind of caught in the middle. We're, we're in the middle of our crazy cousins who are the crazy parents and the coaches. So we, we kind of see both sides of it. And when I see these messages, however, it does give me pause to say, man, am I doing the right thing? Have I elevated soccer to a, uh, a position that's going to cause my children longer-term issues? Are we spending too much time uh, in soccer? Why in the world are, are, am I even training them at all? What is it about me that's doing this? And do I think I'm too smart? Do I think I'm the smartest guy in the room and I have figured out a way to work with my children um, and not burn them out and make sure they still enjoy the sport? So it does give me pause and make, makes me think about that. And I don't have an easy answer for that. You know, I chat with you guys on Facebook about it as well. Sometimes I come off like, maybe I probably come off like I think I know it all. And then sometimes I'm pretty reflective, but I don't have an easy answer for that. So what I will do, and I'm going to invite, I got some guests in mind. I'm going invite to on, invite on to help us explore this. I am going to do a show where I list out sort of those seminal moments, those moments that I remember like they were yesterday throughout my childhood and young adulthood that makes me think uh, are reasons, some of the reasons why I am the way I am when it comes to working with my sons. And I wanna throw that out there for public consumption and just 
hit head on, tackle head on that sort of caricature you hear about living vicariously through your child. I, I just want to hit that head on because there are specific things that happen to me that I do think about uh, when I work with my kids and why I work with my kids. So let me give you one, one, one story that's a bit of foreshadowing, and then we're going to get onto this topic. So when I played uh, basketball in high school, I was a decent basketball player. We went to a small school, nothing on the level of these guys now, no AU, none of that kind of stuff, but just a decent basketball player. One, always going to be one of the top three players on, on any of the teams I played on. And um, I remember like it was yesterday, uh, we were having a team meeting and the new coach that we had, I think it was in the ninth grade, wanted to run a more uh, open offense. He, he just felt like as soon as you get the ball, it's the best way for us to score is to get in the fast break in transition and try to shoot within a certain amount of seconds, basically. And he said, uh, I don't care who, whoever gets the rebound, whoever brings it down, whoever gets the rebound, I want you to bring it down the court and get the offense started with the exception of Crawford. He called me by my last name. I want, if you get the ball, I want you to pass it out wide. And he's kind of said it in a joking way and everybody, everybody laughed. And he was effectively saying, I didn't have the dribbling skills to be one of the one kids to bring the ball up the court. And I was one of the best players on the team, but you know, he was effectively saying, you just need to run down the court and uh, we'll get you the ball or whatever, but you don't have the dribbling skills to do it. And that stuck with me. That really, really stuck with me. So when I work with my son, you know, it is a part of me that says, I don't want to be, I don't want them to be that guy, right? I, I, I don't, I don't want them to be the, that guy. So from that perspective, if, if I'm living vicariously through my kids, that is definitely, um, that's definitely something that I do think about, like, okay, you, you, you're going to be technical. So I don't care we, whatever else happens. And so I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a bad thing. I feel so vulnerable, but I'm sharing it with you guys because I really want to unpack sort of why I'm doing what I'm doing in an effort to help you think about why in the world are we even doing what we're doing in the area of sport? Because there's a convincing argument that says, you know, we've all just lost the plot. Just let youth sports be youth sports we're giving this stuff too much time too much energy too many resources like kids don't care they're going to be just as happy uh playing casually as they would in any of these um sort of travel teams so they're they're, they're reasonable people out there drumming the alarm bells saying that so you know i don't i don't know the answer so i'm sorry to rum, ramble too long but i want to give you some foreshadowing on what another show uh, upcoming show will entail all right. So again, we talked about um, increasing the probability of success. We talked about sort of not making any excuses, even that common excuse of my child doesn't want to work with me. And so now what I was effectively saying is now if you're going to force your child to work with you, and we talked about that in the past as well, well, you have to force them into a system that proves to them, this is what I try to do. I'm forcing them to adopt a system that I know is not too hard for them 
that I know they're going to benefit from and that I know that eventually they are going to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So at first it's a little hard for them and then they're going to see the light of our tunnel. And so therefore I can't allow the process to be negative and distract from that. And if you recall from the previous podcast, I happened to be a management accountant. So what I effectively did is I said, okay, if I know, because when I first started off, I was just like all other parents, it was hit or miss. A lot of the sessions were good. A lot of them were not so good based on my disposition and based on how my kids were feeling. And I knew if I was going to do this regularly, this was not going to be sustainable. I had to have a process where it was relatively positive and we didn't go back and forth. I have a bunch of friction. And so I put on my management accountant hat and said, okay, let me distill down those things that really irritate me. Right. I'm going to just, I'm going to steal those down. What are the things that really irritate me with my kids? And then I wanted to distill down those behaviors and those things that irritate them. And if I can get, if I can control those few things and they can control these other few things, or, you know, if they can, if I can prevent those other few things from happening, then this whole process will be pretty uh, doable. Right. And so the first thing you, the first thing about this is there were only a few things, right? So if you get out a list, of, if you get out a list of a paper, you write, start writing down the 20 things my kids do when we're training that drive me crazy. My first piece of advice is that list needs to shorten. So you got to pick and choose what you're going to allow to drive you crazy. And that's exactly what I did. And then the next thing is, uh, and the same thing with them. If there's 20 things that they hate about training, then you guys need to reassess, is this the right thing for you, your child, and your family? All right. And I call these things triggers. These are the triggers that just, these are the triggers. And, and when I distilled down what what caused the most friction for me, what irritated me the most, there were actually only three things. There were only three things that sort of irritate me when it comes to working with my kids. And I say three things. One of them is a category of bigger, of a lot of different things, but it's really only three things. The first one was um, transitioning. So this kind of sounds horrible, but still transitioning from, um, so the first trigger was taking too long to get ready to get to the field, right? So that's something that, that was on me, right? Because they're young, it doesn't really, they're not gonna move it so quickly regardless of what you do. And so how did I deal with that trigger? I just give them advanced warning. Hey, we're about to go, we're leaving at this time and start getting your stuff together. And another way I deal with that trigger, which I talked about in the earlier podcast is, I will have my older son do a quick juggling warm-up in the front yard or in the garage while I'm getting my younger son ready. And then when we get to the field, because they're different juggling levels, I'll have my younger son do his juggling warm up while me and my older son just mess around. 
And remember, my younger son is watching uh, a video, so he doesn't necessarily need me to help him with the juggling warm-up. Just hit play, and then I mess around with my older son. But if that, if my messing around with my older son is too much of a distraction for my younger son, then I'll I'll stop messing around with my older son and, and focus on my younger son just to make sure he's doing it. But that was the way that I dealt with that. Those are the two ways I dealt with that trigger. The first is just don't worry about it. And the second is have one of them get started juggling while my older one gets started juggling while my younger, while I get him together. The next trigger for me was effort. And this is one of the issues I think many parent trainers out there have. We worry so much that our kids just are not going to give us maximum effort, right? And I'm here to tell you that I, I had to come to, I had to come to Jesus moment to say, you know what? I'm, I, no, I'm lowering my expectations on that. I no longer expect maximum effort from my sons all the time. What I do do is um, with them is explain to them if I want maximum effort, then I want them to complete something in a certain amount of time or do a certain amount of reps in a certain amount of time. But even that is occasional. So as long as I'm getting a good 70% effort, I am good. And I had to lower my expectations because remember, they're doing this stuff with me three, four days a week. So I kind of put it in the category of going to the gym. These are maintenance technical drills and maintenance workouts. And I don't want to mitigate any time soccer training because it can be, you you know, your kid can have a personality where they give you 110% all the time, especially if they're not part of a club. But my sons are already playing for clubs and my older one plays for a pretty competitive club. So they're asking for 110% all the time. So with me, it's just a good maintenance stuff to get those reps in. And then with my younger one, uh, I had to make a decision that I'm going to accept. <laughs> when he hears this, he's going to laugh. I am going to accept what he gives me. Now, it sounds crazy as an adult because I'm talking about a seven-year-old. Of course, I should accept what he's giving me. But I'm just keeping it real with you guys. I just, you know, I just had to come to the realization I got to accept what he's willing to give me. And he is maturing. And so every day he's giving me more and more, but I just had to accept that if this is what he is, this is what he's going to give me, then that's what I'm going to accept now. Um, and just not give him a hard time on it. So you might say, well, what does not accepting what he's going to give you look like? Well, with the, with the videos, what it looks like is, um, if I, uh, if he doesn't do it right, or he doesn't do it to the level, I think he should do it. Then I'll say, I'm going to rewind it. Right. And sometimes I'll do that if I think they need to get the extra reps in. But normally it's some kind of punitive thing. Like, okay, if you, if you, an example might be if you're juggling and you're kicking the ball with your right foot and catching it, if that ball hits the ground more than two times, I know you're not trying. And um, I'm going to rewind the video and you got to do it again. And that's normally enough to get what I want out of him. But what I'm saying is some days he has good days and bad days and the ball may be all over the place. And I just I just trying to discipline myself not to worry about it. And actually, that's pretty hard, guys. So I'm not perfect on that at all. Sometimes I get so irritated. But that's and that's one of the reasons why I want to put this on tape and let my boys hear it to hold me accountable to this. Um, and they will definitely remind me. 
<laughs> definitely. So, um, yeah, just try to try my best to accept what they give me in terms of the effort because they, for the most part, they do what they need to do. And here's the final one. And here's a big one. So we're talking about triggers. So I did a, if, 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 if we had some specialists on and I'll try to find one, they probably have some clinical name for what I'm going through. I don't know what it is. This is all self-learned, but these are things that cause me to have uh, negative reactions that would spoil the training session that I said, listen, I've identified what these are. Let's work on these behaviors. You guys work on these behaviors and I'm going to work on my reactions. So the first one is you guys work on getting your stuff together. We have a set routine, but I'm also going to work on my reactions and I'm going to introduce strategies to mitigate that. The second one is you guys give me your, your best effort, but I'm willing to accept 70% effort because I know you're on the grind a lot. And then with my younger one, I just kind of accept what I get. And then the final trigger for us, and this is a big one is, big one, uh, is no talking. We want to mitigate and minimize the amount of verbal communication between dad and son and son and dad. Because for the most part, there is nothing um, that they say during a training session that's going to add that much value. It's normally just something to irritate me. And for the most part, they don't want to hear me speak. And so that's why the videos come in play. But it, again, you know, gotta be the videos. But for us, it was important to come up with a way for them to own their own training without me having to talk too much. And what that looks like is uh, when they're doing certain um, moves, it's the same corrective instructions, right? And I want to emphasize that these instructions don't change that. I'm emphasizing this to them. They don't change that much. It's the same corrective instructions, number one. And then number two is, and then we try to eliminate, I'm trying to discipline them not to talk to me too much, treat me the way you would, with the same amount of respect you would treat your coach, just get through it. And what we added to the Anytime Soccer Training content is our 30 second breaks for the most part after each three exercises. And that 30 second breaks allows them to get, excuse me, allows them to get the wiggles out and talk to me uh, if they if they want to ask me a question. I'm laughing because you have to you have to be there. Like if you see how my seven year old he you know he might get started and then he want to ask me about Man United and Champions League in 1993. And I'm like, dude, that's not the time to talk about this right now. Let's just talk about. I mean, I just want you to focus on kicking the ball and catching it or doing this other drill. And then in the 30 seconds, they can ask me. So when I write this stuff on Facebook about limiting the talking, a lot of parents always ask, but don't you coach them? Don't you coach them? And I, I do, but, you know, it's really like we're going to the gym, right? So uh, yeah, once you do a bench press, and I've taught you the form of doing a bench press, there's just not a lot to talk about anymore, right? Um. So yeah, because remember, I'm just, we're just one component of their overall soccer tuition. And that's not going to be for everybody. I mean, they're like, even with my younger one, older one, um, because he didn't, he was my first and he didn't have any other older, I guess, sibling to learn a lot of stuff from. I had to do a lot more instruction with him in the very beginning because he was my first and he just didn't have that context. My younger one, I don't have to do as much of that type of instruction because he has an older brother and they just play all the time anyways. All right. So those are my three 
triggers. I mean, and it, I'm still a work in progress. It's still, um, you know, I make mistakes, but those are the three triggers. So even with the talking one, one of the behaviors I do is, is once I set the video up and they get started, I slowly start stepping back. And I always joke with them. I tell them, the further I step away from you, the better you're doing. The closer I have to get to you, uh, the more we having issue. Okay, so now we're going to go on to their triggers. So we talked about my triggers and things that irritate me. Well, they have certain triggers as well and things that irritate them. And these are things that we talked about, we discussed, and, um, and I try my best to mitigate. So one of the triggers for my older son um, is he doesn't want to do a session if he is preoccupied with something else. And some of this stuff is so something else. Some of this stuff may be so common when you say it out loud, but uh, you know, so it's almost embarrassing because it's like, isn't that obvious? But you know, when you're in the moment, it may or may not be. So for example, as we are recording, as I'm recording this podcast right now, my older son is watching Leicester City and Tottenham. And this is a very important game because it has implications on who's going to finish in the top four. And then he's got in his mind that he's going to watch Liverpool play later. I think they play today. I think, I'm not sure. Well, you know, I don't, this is not the time to try to do a session. Now, you may say, isn't that obvious? But, you know, in my mind, we could record it because sometimes it's better to get it done with the kids. It's better to get it done when it's not too hot, get it done in the morning so they have the rest of the day to relax. So you try to get it done when it's not too hot and when they don't have other stuff going on. And also our pool is opened up. So they're going to want to, my younger one will want to go to the pool later as well. So I'll, I'll prefer for him to go to the pool when it's blazing hot and get the stuff like this done in, in the morning. So normally I would just say, hey, just record the game and um, and then we'll and then you can watch it later. But this these particular games have um, Champions League implications. So my son wants to watch it live. And it could be that, it could be something on Fortnite, whatever. But if he is preoccupied with something else, I have learned don't go there. I talked about that in another podcast as well, where we had uh, we were visiting family in a similar situation. Another thing is, uh, my boys, like no kid likes a session to be too long. So I've I've gotten a sweet spot on the length of the sessions, right? And I'm going to talk about how long they train in another podcast. I promised a listener I was going to do that. Uh, but I don't want to just throw a number out there because it's part of a larger context as everything I do. So I don't want to throw a number out there because I want to give you the broader context within the strategy of what we're trying to do on how long they, an entire session is on any particular day. But within there, there's two types of lengths. They don't want it to be too long and they don't want any particular routine to be too long, any particular video, right? So if we're doing so if we're doing ball mastery 10 minutes is about all they want to do a ball mastery before they switch to do something else and so what i've done is i've created again each move has its own five minute video so most of the ball mastery videos or any other videos are five minutes and then they all have these 30 second breaks after three moves and i, I did that based on their 
verbal and nonverbal feedback. So I want to be able to go in saying, you know, this is only going to take seven minutes for this, uh, this block, or that's only going to take 10 minutes for this block and get a rest. And that allows us to actually be a lot more efficient because mentally they're able to um, switch to something else and it keeps them engaged and stuff. And I talked about this in another podcast, but another trigger for my older son, especially is he likes our sessions to be predictable. Now, you have to understand we're doing this stuff a lot. It's not like team training where, you know, if the coach says we're going to stay an extra 30 minutes, fine, I'm rolling with it. That's the culture. Or if the coach says today we're going to do this, we don't, he doesn't email us exactly what he's going to do every practice. But when you are effectively going to the gym, you're effectively going to a boot camp class, you want to know how long is this class? Is it 30 minutes? Is it an hour? And then next week, I need, I want it to be similar. Now you can do different things within boot camp. But I don't want next week's class to be two hours. And then the next week's class to be 15 minutes. He wants it to be pretty predictable. And that's something that I uh, manage as well. So we do a lot of scheduling, a lot of communication there. This is what, uh, this is what we're going to do. And that really motivates him. And then the final thing uh, is a trigger, which is going to sound like Captain Obvious. But you have to remember this as a parent trader. For my younger one, he really wants to have a lot of fun. And you might say, God, isn't that obvious? Well, believe it or not, my older one, who is only, um, he's 11 now, um, he wants to have fun. I'm putting air quotes, but he doesn't enjoy playing with me as much as my younger one does. So in other words, sometimes my older one is like, dude, I just want to get in and get out so I can then go hang out and do stuff with my friends. I don't necessarily need to play one v one with you. Where my younger one, no matter what we're doing, he wants to end or begin with one v one or chasing or, or crossbar challenge or something playing with me. That's why I've incorporated these 101 fun soccer skill-based soccer games and the big hit for him is just playing 1v1 for me and I got to add about 50 1v1 videos as I get as I get them produced and so that's a trigger for him I never want to leave a session with him for the most part except for these little really short ones like before practice or something without doing something really really fun because he he enjoys it so that's that's all I've had for you guys. So I don't have a rock solid tip for you. I'm hoping that the entire podcast is one tip. So in conclusion, we talked about the increasing your probability of success. Then we talked about not making excuses, right? And then we said, well, if you're not going to make excuses, you and you're going to push a lot more than you pull. Some people will say force. If you're going to push a lot more than you pull in the early stages then you need to make sure you're pushing them into a process that proves to them that a little bit of work pays off and it's not painful for them. It's not frustrating for them. And what I had to do very early on was identify those things that frustrated me and those things that frustrated them. And then I had to develop strategies and basically also change myself to deal with each sides of it. So for the things that frustrated me, um, you know, them getting ready, I told you I would have one start juggling while the other one's getting ready, or I would give them 30 minute to an hour warning. Um, the other thing that frustrated me was effort. So I told you I kind of accept where they are at, but then I try to measure um, um, 
give them challenges to measure them. And we actually are building that into the technology as well. We're doing all these assessments. You'll see, we'll, we'll do these assessments to get them to get maximum effort so they can keep this score in a way that doesn't, that doesn't force you to do it. And then the, for us, you guys can be different, but the biggest trigger for us, 99% of the uh, stress that came out of a training session began with one of us talking, right? If we could eliminate that, that was like 90% of the battle. So what that means from my perspective is not micromanaging them. Rome was not built in, built in a day. And what that meant for their perspective is not to talk to me about everything that pops into your mind, just get it done. And then if you do need to speak to me, speak to me during the 30 second rest periods or speak to me in between uh, transition to different videos. And if you're not using videos, that's obviously totally fine, but we're doing a transition period, but come up with some agreed upon norms that you guys are going to stick with to get through the training sessions. And then for the things that triggered them, for me, for them, it was if they're preoccupied with something else, if it was just too long, I, I don't want to do anything for 20, 30 minutes at a time at a clip or, um, you know, and also it needed to be predictable. It can't be 15 minutes a day and then two hours tomorrow based on how you're feeling that day and your feelings that day. And finally, you know, always keep it fun, especially for the really young ones. A lot of that stuff sounds so obvious that um, it's a little embarrassing to share. But I think these conversations are important because in this whole parent youth soccer space, there's just not a lot of real talk, in my opinion. It's too much fluff. People talk about, you know, in too general. And then, and then our parents out there are just being just degraded on social media um, because of the actions of a few of us. And we all make mistakes. So, you know, a few mistakes by everybody on the club multiplies into 30, 40 mistakes a year, right? So it adds up. I hope you're not yelling at the 16-year-old ref. I hope you're not causing your kid to cry on the sidelines. I hope you're not berating your kid in the car. Those messages need to be said. But there are also, um, there's also, um, it's also important for us to have real conversations and start understanding uh, why we're feeling this way what is contributing to that? And let's bring in professionals to help us think through it. And that's what I want. That's the service I want to provide for you guys. And also it will help me as well. So in a future show, I'll really want to dig into why I do what I do, or at least things that happen to me that influence why I am the way I am. Let our professionals listen to it and then come onto the show and, and, and comment. All right. So Again, Neil Crawford, founder of Anytime Soccer Training, and I'm also your host. Please, it, it makes me feel so good when you go to anytime-soccer.com, click the join for free button. Join for free, just your email and your name, and then you'll be on the waiting list for when we launch. You're going to get a free account, no credit card, no nothing. You can try it out, and then you'll see if this type of thing works for you. So have a great soccer weekend and remember, let's get better together.